Hello, everybody. I'm joined today by the boy Sam Gotzi and Tanner Dislin. I'm your host, Keegan Turnbow. To everyone out there listening, thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to break down some winners and losers, talk about some games from this past weekend, and make some picks for this weekend's upcoming football games. Let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Crunch Time. We'll go ahead and kick off with some winners. Sam, what was your winner from this past week? Yeah, so uh, Bowling Green is a big winner for me from this uh, past weekend. They beat Minnesota 14-10, to held Minnesota to only 59 passing yards and only had 22 rushing yards. I know it's that bad. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and Minnesota had three turnovers. Uh-huh. So for that reason, Bowling Green is my huge winner this weekend. <laughs> that's a massive. I think they're missing Muhammad Ibrahim. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's, hor- that's horrible. That is terrible. I I knew that I knew that it was bad for Minnesota. I didn't know it was that bad. Uh, Tanner, who is your winner from this past week? For this week, uh, I got the Baylor Bears. Let me tell you, a, a huge win at home this weekend against Iowa State, and and it seems like things are starting to look up for Baylor the, for a program that has seemingly been been irrelevant since Robert Griffin III and then they had the the whole fallout with Art Bryles and things went sour there and haven't really been able to to jump their way back into relevancy but uh last year they went two and seven with really not didn't play good football at all throughout the year their wins were against Kansas and Kansas State who also struggled last year but you start the year 4-0 big top 15 win against Iowa State and now you jumped yourself into the into the top 25 things are starting to look up for for Dave Aranda and the Baylor Bears. My winner from this past week was Justin Tucker. Let me set the scene for you. Justin Tucker sets up for the kick. He stands a few yards back further than he normally does, and for good reason. This kick's going to be less about technique, more about kicking this thing as far as he can, because he's going to try to do something that no other kicker has ever done in NFL history. From 66 yards out, the snap, the placement, the kick, it's up. Off the crossbar, and it's through. It's good from 66 yards out, something that no NFL kicker has ever done. Justin Tucker wins the game in walk-off fashion. But should Justin Tucker have ever had the opportunity to do so in the first place? Tanner, what happened before that? Uh, no, no, he shouldn't have had that, that opportunity. On that last drive, the Ravens converted on 4th and 19 on a pass to Sammy Watkins up, got him to the 48-yard line. There, they tried to run one more play with seven seconds left. They broke their huddle with three seconds left on the play clock and did not snap it until there were zeros. And there were zeros for a good two seconds on the clock before the ball was snapped. There was no delay game. I don't know if the what the refs were doing, but the call was never made. And you can see for multiple seconds, flat zeros, and the ball was not snapped. Should have been a delay game, should have moved him back five yards, and it would have pushed it to a 71-yard field goal, which, of course, would be pretty much impossible. I mean, you saw how the 66 went, just barely made it. So, of course, it can't be, it can't be a weekend in, in football without complaining about the refs because they seemingly always make a huge mistake. That one, if I'm a Lions fan, I've already been through the ringer, but that one, that <laughs> one would really, really make me mad. There, there are very few franchises that have been through the ringer as badly as the Lions have, are currently, and with the way they're set up, will continue in the near future. There was a 
I'm not sure who it was or from what broadcast I was watching. There was a referee that they had that was talking about this particular play. The host asking, hey, this was the situation. What would you have done in these circumstances? And he said, he described the play as there's this back judge referee staring at the play clock. And once that thing hits zeros, he looks down at the ball. And at that exact moment, if the ball is not snapped, he is supposed to throw the flag. So when you see zeros on the telecast, when you're watching, there is an extra second or so built in for the referee to go here, to look at the play clock, to look at the ball. There's an extra half, you know, full second in there. But as Tanner described it, and as you can go see, if you go watch it, it was more than one second. Justin Tucker, a massive winner from this past week for doing what he did, given the circumstances, but given what happened right before then, he maybe shouldn't have even had the opportunity to do so in the first place. We're going to go ahead and switch it over to some losers. Sam, who was your loser from this past week? So my biggest loser of the past weekend got to be Yvonne Pope of Ohio State. He's actually escorted to the locker room by team official during the Buckeyes game uh, during the second quarter over Akron uh, following a heated exchange with coaches. During that escort, he quit the team (laughs) and in a pair of since deleted tweets, Pope later wrote said, good luck to my teammates and F Ohio state using a slang spelling for the obscenity. <laughs> so yes, Kayvon Pope is a huge loser this weekend. <laughs> That's just a absurd situation. Tell you what that uh, brings back reminders of uh, the NFL player retiring at halftime. Oh. You guys remember that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. who, do you remember who it was? I don't, I think no. he for the bills. I think you're right. Yeah, it definitely was for the Bills. So it was Vontae Davis who retired at halftime for the Bills. But that <laughs> that's a <laughs> wild situation with Ohio State. Tanner, who is your loser from this past week? My loser's got to be Clemson. What is going on in Death Valley currently? Nobody knows. This is a preseason top five team consistently in the playoff. They're shooing for the playoff every year. Just their, the level of talent on their roster year after year, the the struggles of the rest of the conference, and, and certainly this year was no different. It looked like Clemson was going to cakewalk with the ACC. You start off week one, you have a tough loss to Georgia, who's number two right now. Quality loss, that's fine, move on. Then you start to get to ACC play, and you play Georgia Tech, who in week one lost to Northern Illinois, and you beat them by eight at home, and Georgia Tech had the ball in the last two minutes. And then you go to NC State, who got absolutely destroyed by Mississippi State a couple of weeks ago. And you lose that one, too, when you were gifted three missed field goals, including one that would have won the game for North Carolina State. And that sent you to overtime and you still lose. There is a lot to sort out in, in Clemson because something is not right. I know Dabo Sweeney won't stand for it. So my big mm-hmm. loser is Clemson. They have not played well at all this year. And I think they're, they're officially uh, punched their ticket to be left out of the playoff. Dabo Sweeney has got some work cut out for him. Of the coaches in, in uh, college football to deal with it, I'd put Dabo Sweeney pretty high up there. But the work is definitely cut out. My loser for the week, rookie quarterbacks as a whole. 
it was a historically bad weekend for rookie quarterbacks, which given the success or lack thereof, the majority of rookie quarterbacks have, it's saying something. We'll, we'll start in Chicago with Justin Fields making his first start ever. The future is now in Chicago, you know, Bears fans are saying, uh, hold the brakes. Uh, give him some time first. Uh, Fields went six for 20 for 68 yards, which is pretty bad. Potentially even worse, though, was that he was sacked nine times for a loss of 67 yards. Last season, no quarterback was sacked more than eight times or lost more than 62 yards on sacks in any game. Fields, in his first career starts, well, he broke into some rare air in at least one way this past weekend. Unfortunately, if you're a Bears fan, not the way you would have wanted. Going down to Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence had four turnovers, two fumbles, and two interceptions, including a pick six as the Jaguars fell to 0-3. Zach Wilson also threw a pair of interceptions for his winless team as the Jets were shut out 26 to nothing. You go over to New England for Mac Jones. He entered Sunday having thrown no interceptions all year. But you know what? He made up for it. He threw three interceptions in a 28 to 13 loss to the Saints. So you put that together. The four rookies combined to go 77 for 140 passing for 717 yards, two touchdowns, seven interceptions, and two fumbles. A very bad weekend for rookie quarterbacks. I tell you, that Bears offense. <laughs> something's going on there because they need to figure something out. No, Surely you've no. all heard that the 66-yard the kick was 19 yards more than the Bears. <laughs> Bears gained in total offense against, against Cleveland. Cleveland has a great defense. Like, don't get it twisted. They have a very nice defense. Um. Matt Nagy has some stuff to figure out. And if he doesn't, I have a feeling that his head's going to be on the line. <laughs> hey, the only good rookie was Trey Lance for the 49ers. Had a five-yard touchdown pass last night. So that's about the only one that didn't screw up tremendously. That's right. And he also ran in uh, He also ran in a touchdown from, uh, from two yards out right before halftime as well. So that's true. Say rookie quarterbacks as a whole, except for Trey Lance, who isn't starting yet. We're going to go ahead and transition over to the next segment of the day, which is Gimme Five. In this particular version, we're going to talk about five notable events from this past weekend. We're going to start off with college football, specifically the fact that six ranked teams went down this week. Previously ranked seven, Texas A&M lost to Arkansas 20 to 10. Clemson, then ranked nine, lost 27 to 21 in double overtime to North Carolina State. Wisconsin, who's dropped out of the rankings since losing to Notre Dame, 41 to 13. Iowa State, who was 14, lost to Baylor, 31-29. North Carolina lost to Georgia Tech, 45 to 22. And Kansas State lost to Oklahoma State, 31 to 20. Of those games, which one was the most that stood out to you, Tanner? I tell you, you know, looking at these, there are a few that that I kind of had in my mind could could go one way, but but North Carolina losing to Georgia Tech. I mean, this is again preseason top ten team. 
or if not slightly above top 15 for sure. Sam Howell, Heisman, hopeful. And they have just not played good football at all. Losing to Virginia Tech in week one, dropping all the way down to 21 in the rankings by week four. And now losing to a Georgia Tech team who I already talked about, got upset in week one, who really isn't, isn't a good football team at all. They're, they're not good. And getting, not only losing, but losing by 23, getting doubled up in points. Something's wrong in North Carolina. Uh, so that, that, that's one that, that, I, that I was very shocked at. The ACC seems to be in shambles with the two top teams in the preseason rankings in the ACC, one falling out of the rankings completely, and the other 25 in the AP poll. So almost there for Clemson. <laughs> They're almost out of it. Sam, which was, which was the most impressive for you? Just Notre Dame kind of manhandling Wisconsin 41 to 13. I don't think anybody really expected that last episode. We kind of talked. Neither of them have really impressed us uh, lately. And then Notre Dame comes out and does that. That was pretty surprising for me. I got to say during last week's pickums, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I did not have the greatest showing. And one of my picks was Wisconsin. Now, I'll let you know, with 12 minutes left in the game, I was sitting pretty. Wisconsin was up 13 to 10. But wait a second, you say? Didn't Notre Dame win 41 to 13? That would be correct. Wisconsin would proceed to throw three interceptions in those last 12 minutes of the game, two of which being pick sixes. So was this as much as Notre Dame winning the game? I'm not so sure about that. I think this was more so if Wisconsin literally throwing the ball directly to Notre Dame, who just said thank you and went on the merry way. That was not a great showing for Wisconsin whatsoever. I'll tell you, you know, one thing we talked about during during pick on last week is that points would be at a premium. And <laughs> I honestly, if you came up to me and said that the best unit throughout the entirety of the game would be the Notre Dame defense, I don't know if I would have believed you. But they were the best unit in the game. They were the best unit in that game, outplaying Wisconsin's defense. So, hats off to that Notre Dame defense. One of one of a, one of a big game. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's defense in just five minutes scored more points than Wisconsin did all game. I was gonna artificially come up with something else. We already talked about Baylor. We've talked about Clemson already. This was the one that was the most surprising for me as well, for some of the reasons that we just listed. I also want to throw out uh, Texas A&M and Arkansas. The fact that Arkansas jumped out to a 17 to nothing lead over Texas A&M. And at that point, they just kind of coasted. But their, their defense is incredibly stout. But their offense also has big play abilities. They had a one play drive, 75 yards to the receiver breaking down the field. The ability for the defense to not only hold a top 10 team to 10 points, but to also have the offense to break open the big plays like that, that's going to be a scary team. All of us kind of leaned Arkansas from, as you can tell from our, our pick'em segment last week, but 20 to 10 looks like a close game. It wasn't. It, Arkansas kind of held control throughout all of it. Really a, a dominating performance, even though the score doesn't say it. So uh, Arkansas is looking real good right now. They're looking like a, a bulldozer. Mm. Woo pig, right, Sam? Woo pig, baby. <laughs> We're going to switch over to the NFL. Talk about Buccaneers and the Rams. And 
in the pregame shows, there were different people that were talking that this could potentially be one of the best games of the year. Sam, did you have any big takeaways from this game? It seems we've been talking about this since the podcast started. The Rams found their missing piece in Matthew Stafford. He's uh, having an MVP-like season so far, and I think it's just going to keep on going up from here. Is there anything to be concerned about in Tampa Bay right now, Tanner, or did they just run into a bulldozer of a team in the Rams? Too early. Too early to hit the panic button. The defense struggled a little bit, but we talked about how rounded this Los Angeles offense is. You have a, a certified, honestly, number one receiver in Cooper Cup. I don't know what else you can say. Consistently, eight or nine catches. Consistently getting in the end zone. Consistently, uh, triple-digit yards. He's just been playing incredible football. Running game for uh, for Los Angeles is a little bit troublesome. But uh, switching back to, to Tampa Bay, I think it's way too early to hit the panic button. You run into a good team on the road. It happens. Just uh, remain focused and, and, and focus on each game because you'll, you'll meet again in the playoffs. I'm fairly certain of that. I think any rematch between these two teams, I think that would end up being one of the best games that we'll see all season. Switching over to Oakland and Miami for this next game. This was one where we talked about potentially picking this game last week, and we decided against it because – we just didn't think that it would be that close of a game. No need to pick it. All of us were going to go with Oakland. Why throw it on the podcast? This game went to overtime. Uh, led by Jacoby Brissett, Miami looked very good. Tanner, what was the most surprising thing to you in this game? For me, it, it's the clutch play of J- Jacoby Brissett. They were down eight, came down, scored a touchdown with no time left or two, two seconds left on the clock. And to go ahead and actually get the two-point conversion. And in that last drive, I believe they converted a fourth and 20 mm-hmm. um, to, to Mike Gusecki. It was uh, I, I kind of wanted this win for, for Jacoby Brissett because, like you said, no one, no one gave the, really the Dolphins a chance. The, the Raiders were playing well at home, and, and he came out and with a plethora of clutch throws down the stretch, leading him to overtime. They, they traded field goals, I believe, to start overtime. But uh, Las Vegas ended up winning. But Jacoby Brissett really impressed me, and, he, and that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Tua going down, and Jacoby Brissett kind of stepped up and honestly hit it out of the park. Tua and the Dolphins were actually a loser of last week's podcast for me. I didn't remember that until you would mentioned uh, – we talked about it last time, Sam, but – yeah, to be able to turn around and be so close. Jacoby Brissett has had a difficult career so far. We've we've talked about Tyrod Taylor in the past, and he hasn't had a career as unlucky as Tyrod Taylor, but it hasn't been great. In the year where Andrew Luck had retired, Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback coming up where they were throwing him into the fire with that offensive line that was a bit iffy. But Jacoby Brissett was taking it very well, was putting up great numbers, but got injured. In the next upcoming seasons, Indianapolis would end up going with the likes of Phillip Rivers and now Carson Wentz. He floats around a few other places, backs up a few quarterbacks, never really gets his opportunity to start again until Sunday. And he showed up very well. We're going to switch over to the Chargers and the Chiefs. Sam, 
is something wrong in Kansas City. They turned the ball over four times throughout the game. Uh, I mean, obviously that's a little concerning, but I think like with the Buccaneers, I think it's a little too early to um, hit that panic button. They're clearly still, I mean, two losses, but you'd rather get them early on in the season, close games. So I don't think there's too much concern. They just need to get going here pretty soon or it will be time to hit that panic button. Tanner, are the Chargers for real? That offense is for real. I tell you, Mike Williams is turning out to be one of the best wide receiver number twos in the NFL. The performance he showed yesterday, 100-plus yards, two touchdowns, and it always seems like in the red zone, he is always a matchup nightmare. Fades to Mike Williams, I swear, have a 90% success rate. I don't know. Just his size and hands – this offense is starting to come, come around with many weapons. Uh, a healthy Austin Eckler. Of course, we all know what Keenan Allen can do. And now uh, Mike Williams is a, is a formidable, if, if not incredible, wide receiver number two. Those four, and, and of course, just Justin Herbert playing like the Justin Herbert we expected. Those four weapons can, can really do something on the offensive side. And defensively, staying in games. I know, I know yesterday, yesterday they played great. I had four turnovers against the best offense in the NFL. If the defense can continue to play good and play stout and limit scoring, that offense can win them many games. I was impressed by how little scoring there was in that game compared to what I expected. The final score of the game ended up being 30 to 24, but 23 of those total points ended up coming in the fourth quarter. Before the game started, I thought this was going to be very high scoring, potentially with both teams in the 30s, maybe even 40s. But the ability for the Chargers defense to give Kansas City problems throughout the entirety of the game, not just for one quarter, not just for two quarters and Kansas City turning it on late, but to give them problems throughout the entire game was very impressive. This AFC West division, which many people thought would be a shoe-in for the Kansas City Chiefs, is starting to look a bit iffy. The Broncos are 3-0. Are they for real? We probably don't think so based off of who they've gone up against so far, being the Giants, Jets, and Jaguars. That's a conversation for a different day. But the Raiders are 3-0. They've beaten some real teams. The Chargers are 2-1. They just beat Kansas City. Kansas City is in last place in this division for the first time since 2015. Things are going to be interesting out West. One more thing to look at with that Chargers offense, and they need to get better in the red zone. I know that that was one of the main reasons they won is because they, when they got to the red zone, they scored touchdowns. But that was a pro, that has been a problem for a while now for the Chargers. That offense is real. They have good weapons. Justin Herbert is a good quarterback. If they can continue to score touchdowns when they get in the red zone and the defense continues to play complimentary football, Chargers are for real. Mm-hmm. We're going to switch over to the last game we'll talk about from this past weekend, and that would be the Sunday night football game between the Packers and the 49ers. Once again, I was the only one that picked the Niners who ended up losing. And coming into the game, as the weekend progressed, injuries started to pile up for the Packers. Not only was David Bakhtiari out and will be out for the first six weeks of the season, the starting left tackle, the left tackle who hopped in for David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins who last season for the Packers did very well as a plug-and-play type guy. He played left tackle some games. He played left guard. He even played center for a few games when Corey Lindsley went out. 
But not only was David Bakhtiari out, but Eldon Jenkins also goes out. The second cornerback for the Packers, Kevin King, out with injury. And there were a smattering of some other guys who were also dealing with some issues. They weren't sure if they would be able to play or not during the game. But coming into it, I thought that the team who was going to be the most physical would win. And I didn't think that was going to be Green Bay because of what Green Bay has shown in the past with their ability to be manhandled not only by the 49ers, but also some other teams such as Tampa Bay and then a C championship game last year with the injuries thrown on top of it. There's no way in my mind that green Bay was going to be the most physical team. And they came out and won the game 30 to 28. Tanner, we'll start with you. What was your big takeaway from this game? My big takeaway is I don't know how many times you need to see this. Stop scoring and leaving time for Aaron Rodgers. It happens every game. There's a meme that gets posted of that drive against the, uh, against the Cowboys where the, the fan is, took, took a selfie with a bunch of cheering Cowboys fans and says they're cheering with a minute left on the clock. How many times do you need to learn this? You are in the red zone. You can control. The Packers have no timeouts. You can control the flow of the game down the stretch and you score with 37 seconds left. I do not understand it. I simply do not. And that is my biggest takeaway, is that you simply cannot leave time for Aaron Rodgers. Simply cannot. You know what they say about Aaron Rodgers, right? He's a bad man. Sam? I think Tanner nailed it on the head. Why are you giving a top five quarterback 37 seconds? 49ers defense fell apart, uh, terrible time management, and they made mistake for it. I, I, I still can't wrap my head. The, the Packers had no t- – I mean, one thing if they had timeouts, yeah. <laughs> and it could be hard, you know, to, you might run out of downs because you, you needed a touchdown to take the lead. But they had none. You could have mm. – that, that pass <laughs> to who's check. I don't understand how you're not telling your players to go down if you have a touchdown because it's Aaron Rodgers on the other side. I do not understand it. And then on the defensive side, the first play when the Packers got the ball, that was just a perfectly thrown pass. Tip your half to to Aaron Rodgers there. That's fine. But then the next one, I do not understand the coverage. Very soft on the outside. No linebackers or or anything in the intermediate level. Just a a wide open kind of curl for, for Devontae Adams. Easy as it comes. There's not another quarterback that I would rather have leading the Packers than Aaron Rodgers, which is so disappointing given the circumstances of what's going on between the Green Bay organization and Aaron Rodgers. There's not much more you can say about Aaron Rodgers. Um, however, I think st- currently I'm still riding with Mahomes as mm-hmm. my as my best quarterback in the league, but just stop. I'm going to stop leaving time for Aaron Rodgers. All right, I'm done now. We're going to go ahead and transition over to the last segment of the episode, and that would be pickums. I mentioned this earlier. I struggled last week going one and four. Sam and Tanner, they did not struggle whatsoever. Tanner is now 13 and six on the season, with Sam being tied for that place, and I am 10 and nine. Three games back, I need a few things to break my way this week so I can get a little closer back into that. We're going to open it up with Arkansas, ranked eighth in the country, traveling to Georgia, 
who's favored by 18 and a half points, which I find baffling that the spread is that big. Georgia is the second ranked team in the nation, but Sam Gotsy, Woo Pig, who do you got in this one? You know, the spread, I'm not even getting that. <laughs> 18 and a half is ridiculous. It's disrespectful. Honestly, though, I was leaning towards Georgia going back and forth between these two teams. But look at Georgia's schedule. They honestly haven't, should be undefeated, in my opinion. They played an overrated Clemson, who I don't think should be ranked right now. UAB, South Carolina, and Vandy, kind of the dumps of the SEC. Now, you look at Arkansas, they've had cupcake games against Rice, Georgia Southern, but they've also had some quality wins against Texas. And then last weekend, Texas A&M, they're going to be riding high off of that big upset. They got good balance between that pass and rush game, averaging about 200 yards each. And Keegan, you mentioned their solid defense. So I'm actually going to go with the Arkansas Woo Pig on this one. Let's go. That's a great pick, Sam. I thought long and hard about going with Arkansas here. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Georgia has definitely had an easier schedule than one would have thought it would be out of the gate. Looking at the schedule, yeah, UAB, UAB, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, you know, those are nobodies. Clemson has turned out to be potentially nobody as well this year. They'll probably drop out of the rankings here pretty soon. That defense is incredibly stout with Georgia, as it is for Arkansas. Whoever is going to make the least amount of mistakes in this game is going to be the one that wins. Arkansas, just a bit more unproven to me as a whole. The reason I say that is historically, not with this these teams specifically. I'm going to go ahead and lean with Georgia. Tanner? I tell you, I, I'm not going to have as difficult a time picking it as you guys. Um, Arkansas probably is the hot, one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in college football right now. Georgia's too good. Georgia is too good. That defense is, like you said, Keegan, is going to turn turn Arkansas over multiple times, maybe even get in the end zone, end zone because of it. I like Georgia here. I don't think they'll cover, but uh, I don't think it'll be. I think they'll, they'll win by, by two possessions, but I, I'm going with Georgia. We'll go ahead and switch it over to rank seven, Cincinnati, taking on rank nine, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's favored by two and a half here, coming off a nice win against Wisconsin. Tanner, I'll throw it back to you. Who do you have in this one? Last, last weekend taught me something about Notre Dame, a team that, as we talked about, hadn't looked very good. Their offense still didn't look amazing, but that defense looked really good. Granted, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's offense has been more than suspect this year, but I'm still going with Notre Dame here. I think that was a huge boost, boost for that team, a team that, as we said, didn't, hadn't played so great and had a, a couple close calls. I think that the lack of, of good teams on Cincinnati's schedule, I know they, they played Indiana and struggled against Indiana. And honestly, the momentum shifted in that game when Indiana's senior leader linebacker, who's everywhere on the field, got ejected for targeting. The tide kind of shifted. And, and if that didn't happen, I'm not so sure Cincinnati would have gone on to win that game. So I think, I think Jack Cohn is going to be able to control the game and not make mistakes, and he's going to let that defense feast. So I'm going with Notre Dame here. Sam, who do you have? Yeah, I'm also rolling with the Irish. Um, honestly, I was looking for a reason to pick Cincy, and I just couldn't find it. Uh, Tanner's mentioned the lack of good opponents for Cincy, and Notre Dame looked really good last weekend against Wisconsin, so I'm going with the Irish in this one. 
We got fighting Irish across the board in this one. We're going to go ahead and flip it over to Ole Miss, who's ranked 12th in the country, traveling to Alabama. Alabama is favored by 14 and a half in this one. But here is an interesting storyline. In a recent episode in Judgment, we're picking Heisman winners. I went with Alabama's quarterback as Sam went with Ole Miss's. Sam, we'll start with you. Who do you have in this one? I'm picking the upset here. I got Ole Miss uh, behind Matt Corral. I think he hasn't been tested, and I think this is going to be a huge test. I think he capitalizes. I got Ole Miss in this one. With a week to prepare, I think that's going to be beneficial for Ole Miss, and I got a huge upset with Ole Miss. Massive respect to go with Alabama, staying with your Heisman pick. I'm going to go with my own Heisman pick with Bryce Young and Alabama. Roll Tide. Tanner, why are you going to go with – well, I mean, you know, you might not go with Alabama, but who are you taking in this one? I tell you, in that judgment segment, I ruled with you, Keegan, and, I, and I'm staying that way. Uh, I'm going with Bama here. There's not much more you can say about Alabama. They, they had a rough second half against Florida what was two weeks ago. I, I still think Al, Alabama is the best team in college football. Bryce Young is is the best quarterback in college football, and I got Bama here, especially in Tuscaloosa. Switching over to the NFL, we're going to kick it off with the Browns and the Vikings. This one's in Minnesota, but Cleveland is favored by one point. This game looks like it's going to be a close one. Tanner, who do you have between the Browns and the Vikings? Tell you, last week I went on here saying that Minnesota would beat Seattle. That act, That went on to happen. Minnesota has had two gut-wrenching losses. We've talked about that at length. Now, a, a big boost in, in beating Seattle at home, and I, I think they ride the, ride the wave here. Again, at home against, against Cleveland, who, who, who's looked pretty good this year. I mean, th- their one loss came, came against Kansas City. Granted, that's Kansas, own, Kansas City's only win, but we don't want to go, go down that rabbit hole. But I think Minnesota can do it at home. I think the fans will, will be loud again. They saw what their their noise did to Seattle in the second and Seattle's offense in the second half. And I'm going with the home team, the team who just took out Seattle. I'm going Minnesota. Kirk Cousins, baby. <laughs> Sam, who wrong, do you have this one? Wrong. <laughs> wrong. I'm going with the Browns. Uh, I like their how their defense looked against Bears last weekend and the continuation of good play by Baker Mayfield. I got the Browns in this one. I really like the Browns' defense and the way that they've been able to play. Uh, they dominated Chicago, which, you know, whether that's saying much, you know, that's a conversation for another day. We're just going to move on right past that one, like we did with Kansas City from Tanner. I think that Cleveland gets this done, but I do think it's going to be a pretty close game as well. I was thoroughly impressed by Minnesota this past week going up against Seattle. Seattle scored 17 pretty early in the game, but then proceeded to do nothing throughout the remainder of the game. The Vikings defense surprised me when they've had some struggles in recent memory, but Mike Zimmer, a defensive minded head coach has apparently done some good work with that defense because they seem to be improving. I do think that Cleveland is going to be too much for them overall with a barrage of weapons that they have on disposal and offense Odo Beckham Jr. was reintroduced to the offense last week. Dalvin Cook, is he supposed to be playing for Minnesota this week? On When Sunday came around, he was doubtful. Mm. Um, and then, of course, he went on to be out. So the fact that he was doubtful and not ruled out in advance mm. leads me to think that the outlook is, 
it would be positive uh, mm-hmm. coming upcoming this week. But I tell you, Alexander Madison, yeah. 171 yards of total offense. Uh, he, he played really well. This could be a very interesting game for all of those reasons, but I'm going to go with Cleveland here. Switching over to the Cardinals and Rams, we have a very close division out west in the NFC. Cardinals and Rams both vying to try and take the lead in this division. The Rams are favored by six here. This one's in L.A. Sam, who do you have here, Cardinals or the Rams? You know, I went back and forth with this one. This one was honestly a tough one uh, for me. We got Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins versus um, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, two of the top duos. But one design factor for me was that Rams defense. So I'm going with the Rams on this one. Rams made a big statement on Sunday. I think the team is, if not the best, then the the second best team in the NFC behind Tampa Bay. I mean, granted, they just played head-to-head, but things don't always work out that way. But I I think this team is for real. They made a huge statement on Sunday, and they're going to continue to continue to make statements all year long. I got Rams in that stellar defense. So not going with your MVP pick, huh, Tanner? No, I'm not. I think the the Rams are that good. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals struggled in the first half this past week against Jacksonville. Matt Prater attempted a 68-yard field goal, I believe it was, which was returned for a touchdown at the end of the first half, a 109-yard touchdown. You you literally cannot get any further than that in the NFL. It was very impressive. But in the second half, they were able to turn it around and ended up winning rather comfortably, winning by 12. I'm going to go with the Rams for some of the same reasons that Tanner and Sam have noted, but... I do think that the Cardinals keep it relatively close with their high-powered offense. It's a good thing, though, that Kyler Murray can run because with the Rams' front four, he's going to need to run quite a bit. We're going to go ahead and switch it over to Monday Night Football. We have the Raiders and the Chargers. The Chargers are favored by three in this one, but both teams come in looking to try and take control of the division. We've talked about it a little bit previously. The Broncos and Raiders tied at 3-0 for the top of the division. We don't know if the Broncos are for real yet because they haven't played anyone for real. But the Raiders have, and the Chargers have as well. The Chargers are just one game back from leading the division. And here, they look to make ground on the Raiders. Tanner, who do you have in this one? I tell you, you want to talk about statements with the Rams? The Chargers made just as big a statement this weekend. I talked about that offense earlier. I think that offense is really good. Raiders, they are 3-0. They put together a couple, win, couple good wins in week one and week two. Miami's a team they should, should have beat comfortably, and they didn't, and they struggled a little bit. Granted, we talked about the play of Jacoby Brissett. I don't think the Raiders played all that well yesterday. So I'm going with the hot hand and, and the Chargers. I, I, think, I think LA makes another statement and, and continues to prove themselves a formidable foe in that, uh, in that AFC. Sam, who are you taking here? I'm also rolling with the Chargers in this one behind that great quarterback of uh, Justin Herbert. I'm looking forward for this Monday night football game to come around with the Raiders and Chargers because this one could be one of the more memorable games in this football season. You have the Raiders 3-0 coming into it. One of the hotter teams in the league, Derek Carr, if they can continue pace, could potentially become an MVP candidate. I think the Raiders are going to try and make a statement saying, hey, you know what? We struggled a little bit against Miami this past week. We probably shouldn't have, but you know what? I'm going to regroup. 
on a long week. Derek Carr and that offense with Darren Waller to go through. Josh Jacobs have another week to regroup out of that backfield. That offense should be elite. I really want to go with the Chargers here, but I think the Raiders have something to prove. That wraps it up for today. Thank you all so much for tuning into the pod. We appreciate your support. The clock has run out on this episode, but we'll see you in the next one on Crunch Time.